I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 23. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 23. 22 was the longest chapter in the book of Luke, 71 chapters, uh, verses. And it's all this prelude to the crucifixion and the um, taking of him. We started off in the chapter with the perpetrators who were coming, trying to figure out how to take him. And of course, Uh, We see one of the people that came was Judas Iscariot, who Satan has entered. We saw the chief priests, we saw the scribes, we saw the captains and uh, the big shots and all. Then we saw the preparations for the Passover. Then the Passover Jesus had with the 12, so Judas was there. And he went from the Passover supper to instituting the Lord's Supper. And then we saw the perplexing of of the, the 12 or 11, because one of them knows. But Jesus said, one of you is sitting at the table. Is actually going to betray me. So we saw they're being perplexed. And we saw the perception where the disciples thought, you know what? Who should be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus showed them how he is their master and Lord. And he's their Lord and master. Yet he washed their feet. It's not about who's the greatest. Then we saw the prediction. You're going to deny me. And all the disciples did. Luke records uh, Peter. But other ones show that the other disciples also did. And then we not only saw the prediction, but the fruition of it in verses 54 to 62. And then we saw the perspiration as the Lord sweat, as it were, drops of blood as he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then we saw the persecution as they came and took him. And now in chapter number 23, we start out in the courts. And we're going to look at three things. In this chapter, the courts, the crucifixion, and the crypt, which is a word for the place that someone is buried. In this case, it's a sepulcher. So the courts, the crucifixion, and the crypt. We'll start out with the courts. And in this chapter, it records him before Pilate in verses 1 through 5, Herod in verses 6 to 12, and back to Pilate in verses 13 to 25. So let's look at the first time before Pilate. The whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. Now, is that true? Let's go back to the coin. What did they say about the coin? You know, should we give, uh, render to Caesar or not? He said, Show me the coin. Whose superinscription is that? Caesar. Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And unto God the things that are God. And they could not take him on his words. They could not twist him on his word. Yet they say here that he's perverting the nation. Had he perverted the nation? I mean, 
the whole idea is that the, he turned the entire nation away, twisted them through distortion. Uh, no, they didn't do that. He forbid him to give tribute. He didn't do that. Saying to himself, is Christ a king? Ah, now he is claiming to be the Messiah, and he is claiming that he is the true king of David. We'll sit on, the king, and we'll sit on that throne one day. So Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Well, that's what you say. So we see the Sanhedrin dragged Jesus to Pilate, and everybody's emotions are all at a big level. No, they're, I mean, they're riled up, but they can't do anything that they want to do. they got to get it to the Roman government in order for this crucifixion to have place. So if you can just picture all these people in an emotional uh, mob taking him to Pilate. And look at this. Here are unbelievers trying everything they can to gain support for their side, even if they have to lie. We've seen that all through history, in politics, in every country there is, including ours. They're trying to protect their place. They think they're the religious elite. Each one has their own thing. We have the Pharisees, who are the conservative religious group, and we have the Sadducees, who are the liberal religious group. And they have difference of beliefs, yet they come together to go against one man that they think is causing all the problem. You see, the devil doesn't care about any religion. He cares about anyone that comes to Christ. And therefore, he has attacked Christ throughout the Bible and God's chosen people throughout the Bible and throughout all history. It's always been about Christ. So they come and they're very, very, very irritated at this point. So what we see here is that they are looking at Pilate. They bring him before Pilate, the procurator of Judea. He is directly responsible to the emperor for all the things that happened administratively, financially around the country. And he had worked himself up through the political ranks. Okay, fine. So here we are. Now, he comes and he says one question to him. Art thou the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Well, he's already got in his mind that this is ridiculous. Jesus is innocent. There's no reason to go any further. You can read all the things that he said in the different uh, Gospels. And, you know, he said, I, I find no fault in this man. We'll see uh, lots of things that he gave. But like many people, cave to the right to the wrong. They cave from the right to the wrong because there is a possibility they could lose their power and their seat. And for some reason, their power and their seat is more important. Pilate's power is more important. I worked too hard to get where I'm at. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they have got there. Nobody wants to give up anything for Christ. You see, we focus too much on what we give up. What we should focus on is what we obtain. Amen. So, then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. What are you bringing him here? I don't see anything. He's innocent. Now, by the way, he said that out loud. It's not, uh, it's not a private thing. He said it out loud. Uh, people heard him. He is innocent. There is no problem here. And they were the more fierce. You see this? They are agitated beyond belief. They were fierce. They were very, very insistent in a not-so-nice way. They were strong in the way they were presenting this. 
We are not looking what you think he's good or bad. We would not have brought him to you if he were not a malefactor, they said in the Gospel of John. That was their, that was their, what charge do you have again? We wouldn't have brought him. If were, they didn't answer the question. Answer the question. I get so tired of people when they ask, get, when a politician gets asked a direct question and they skirt around and they never answer the question. I wouldn't budge. I would say, excuse me, I asked this question. I want an answer to this question. Will you answer it? Yes or no. Do not go. And the minute they start to go, stop. Go back and answer my question. Why do you want to skirt around it? I have done that many times with people in the Bible. I'll say, but this verse prohibits what you're doing. Oh, yeah, but that verse is really kind of a, I, this verse over here, is, and they go to a really obscure verse that they've skewed out of context. When I put it back in context for them, they see the same thing that, see over here, and I said, forget this verse. Go over here to this verse. It's plain. This verse says you can't do it. One person looked at me and said, the verse said, yeah, I don't worry about that verse. I said, why not? It's plain. Well, because this, I said, forget that verse. That verse is obscure. You're, you're out of context. You just lifted it out. Go back here. Answer this verse. Based on this verse that is concrete, solid, and has no more interpretation than needed, can you do that? Yes or no? They won't answer. They were the more fierce, saying, he stirreth up the people. He's constantly, it's all the time, present tense, he's constantly stirring up the people. Everywhere he goes, he stirs it. He moves people to do things. Teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard, (laughs) I love this, he he asked whether the man were a Galilean. As soon as he knew he belonged to the Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. That is incredible to me. Yeah, okay, I see. We're going to be fine. Here it is. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So now he comes before Herod. Herod is the one, by the way, that had John the Baptist beheaded. Nice guy. You know, Herod's just one of those really nice people that you like to be around, right? <laughs> so when he gets to the court uh, there of, of Herod, what we see is he is there for, uh, I guess, maybe the Passover for whatever reason he was there, but he's there. It's Herod's jurisdiction. Galilee was under the rule of Herod, so Pilate could literally and legally send Jesus to Herod. So they go, and he has many things, and when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season. He would wanted to see him for a long time. He thought, I'd like to, I've heard a lot about this thing because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. He just wanted to see a miracle. He didn't care about Jesus. He just wanted to see a miracle. It's incredible, isn't it? So then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Ooh, didn't say a word. Jesus kept his mouth shut. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he openeth not his mouth. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him i mean they're just pulling out all the stops they vehemently intensely they are accusing him over and over again and herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. can you imagine that wow this is incredible 
I don't know how many times people have mocked and made fun of Jesus in this day and age that I've heard, but I cringe every time thinking, boy, if they just knew it's the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. <laughs> you are lucky. You are blessed that God has not taken you out at this point and still gives you a day of grace that you could come and trust him because when you are succumbed to death, it's over for you. Herod and his soldiers just mistreated Jesus, scoffed at him, ridiculed him, mocked him, dressing him up in bright and gorgeous apparel like you want to be a king, we'll dress you. Herod. And then he sends him back to Pilate. There you go. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before they were at enmity, means hostility between each other. They hated each other. But because he let it send him to Jesus, that brought them together. Now Pilate's made a friend. That's going to make it even harder for him at this stage to do what he knows is right because there's no fault in Jesus whatsoever. So here he is back at Pilate. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said to them, He had brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. Nor, no, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Okay? For necessity, he must release one of them unto them at the feast. And they cried all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition, can you imagine this? For a certain sedition, for a certain insurrection that he did in the city, and for murder, for whatever it was this sedition, this insurrection was, this uproar, and for this murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he said to them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Not going to happen. They are not happy with this. They don't want this. They were instant with loud voices. They are screaming. They came in instantly requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them, of the chief priests, prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. Now, if we go look at some other, uh, the other uh, gospels, Pilate's talking with Jesus privately, and he talks about truth, and Pilate says, what is truth? Pilate's wife says, have nothing to do with this righteous man. I've suffered many things of a dream. Even his wife couldn't convince him because he fears losing where he is. So he released into them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. The word delivered there has the idea to deliver over to a power, actually carries the idea of betrayal. Wow, unbelievable. That is incredible. We go from the courts to the crucifixion. And when we look at the crucifixion, we see the cross bearer in verse number 26. And they led him away. And they laid hold upon one Simon the Cyrenian coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And then we see the company followers. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turning said unto them, listen to Jesus' words, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. 
For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall, it shall be said, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear, and the past which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say in the mountains, Follow on us and hills, cover us. For they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry. You know, you better be careful. See, as he's being led away, he's, he's being taken away. Here's what he declares. They led him away, and this great couple of people, the women are crying. He said, uh-uh, weep for yourselves. You don't see what you're, you're, you're what you're doing is, is, is crucifying God's son, which is going to be great for those that get saved. But for you that don't, it's going to be a bad, bad thing. But not only do we see the company followers, but we see the crucified. There's more than one. Watch this. It says here in verse number 32, and there were also two other malefactors, people who were evildoers, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, same word that you would see, it was the same word that's translated skull and Golgotha. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said Jesus. Now you can imagine this. All the people are around. The two malefactors are on the left and right hand side. And Jesus says these marvelous words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. What do we see here? We see the place. We see the plea. We see the persecutors. We see the persecuted. And here they are. They stood by. Here's the persecutors. Beholding. And the rulers also, which were with him, derided him. They sneered at him, said, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God, come on. If you're who you say you are, come on. And the soldiers also mocked him, jeered and made fun of, coming into him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription we see the plaque that was there the superscription also was written over him in letters of greek and latin and hebrew this is the king of the jews and you'll see different versions of that and they and one of the other gospels it says hey uh, you don't say this is say he said that he was and pilate said what i have written i have written now first thing i want you to notice is these languages were languages of the day the three main languages in that area which would have been the language of the Jews the language of the Greeks and the language of the Romans okay the language of the Romans was Latin uh, the, of course the language of the Greeks was was Greek and the language of the Jews was Hebrew so it was written so everybody could read it and see it what a what a testimony to the one hanging there this is the king of the Jews and one of the malefactors, which hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. He has the same belligerent attitude that everybody else has got. But watch what happens. They were both in on it, according to other Gospels. But all of a sudden, something in the heart of this one changes. And it says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? See, something got a hold of him. So he turns around and rebukes. He straightly charges him. 
Do you not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? I mean, you're in the same boat that he's in. You've been condemned to die, but here's the difference. And we indeed justly. It's right for us to die, for we have received the due reward of our deeds. We did it, and it happened, and we deserve it. But this man hath done nothing amiss. This guy is not guilty. I get that. Boy, he was really on top of things now. And he forgets the guy next to him. He can't do a thing for him. The best thing that this uh, that this thief ever did is when he forgot. He, 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 tried to, he tried to get that guy to see to where he was coming from, not get anywhere. He turned unto Jesus. <laughs> he said unto Jesus, Lord, there it is, Lord, remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom, I believe you are Lord. I believe you have a kingdom that you will rule. I believe everything you've been saying. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Oh, can you imagine the maybe the trepidation as that came out of his mouth? But I wonder, because it doesn't tell us. I would love to know. I just some things I wish the Bible would tell us. Jesus turns to him. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, truthfully, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now that tells us very plainly that when Jesus died, he did go to a place called paradise. We know that paradise and Sheol, hell, was separated by a great gulf that nobody could pass over. And we do know that the rich man was there and could see afar off Father Abraham and ask that Lazarus be sent. We also know that there was the taking out of paradise after Jesus' resurrection. So when Jesus died, he went to paradise. When he arose, he emptied paradise. And absent from the body is present with the Lord. Those verses help us to understand the difference. We don't understand all there is to know. But we do know that once that's, there was a resurrection, from then on, you die, you're present with the Lord. When the Lord comes and gets us, he takes us to heaven. So he said, this very day, you will be with me. Now, I, again, the Bible doesn't tell us what he was thinking at that point. Maybe a big smile came across his face. Maybe just incredible relief. Maybe the crucifixion for him wasn't near as bad as it would have been because in one moment of honest belief that he's Lord and King, he is destiny was changed but i wonder what the other thief was thinking who probably heard every bit of that maybe you thought what a bunch of nonsense you guys are idiots but when that time came and they died by the way jesus died of a broken heart when all the sins were placed on him he died and then they came and break the legs of the others but didn't break jesus legs because he was dead already jesus went first these two people hung longer and at that instant they broke their legs and they gave up the ghost one went to hell and could see the other afar off in a place called paradise i wonder what he thought then i wonder if he said anything then 
Well, we know what the rich man said. Well, it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And we know it was from the top to the bottom by other uh, passages of Scripture because the Lord rent the veil that separated us from the holy of holies because of the blood of Christ. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Not cocky, but boldly, confident before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of the need. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Yet we see the uh, crucifixion. We see the cross carrier, the company followers, the crucified. We see the convert. And then we see the commending. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Into thy hands it's all placed into you. I give it to you. My spirit goes to you. My body dies. Just what death is. Separation of the soul and spirit from this body. Into thy hands I commend thy spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He exited out of that address. Now, let me show you something. There was the centurion, the last part before we go to the crypt. There was the centurion. Now, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man, just man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. They were beating their breasts. They, I mean, there were some that probably were in disarray, shock, some that still loved him. And one, in fact, we know at the cross in John's gospel, he said to John, uh, and he said to Mary, Mary, behold thy son. He looked at John and said, behold thy mother. Take care of her. Our thought process is that Joseph has died and Mary's alone. And he's, he want, Jesus wants her to be taken care of. So on his deathbed, <laughs> so to speak, he's... He's caring for mama. What about that? And it says, as all, and all his acquaintance, that would be people that he were well known, could be even people that were uh, family. And the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, or back to afar off again, beholding these things. Then we see the crypt. Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor. He was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel indeed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, which also himself wanted for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus and took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, where never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation the Sabbath drew on, and the women also which came from Galilee followed him after and behold the sepulcher, and now his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. What we see here is the burial of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how it was taking place. A lot of sermons been on it. We're out of time. But I'm looking forward to the next chapter, the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> he is not here. He is risen. Thank God I serve a risen Savior. Father, thank you that you're alive and well, seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding on my behalf, and sometimes standing up like you did for Stephen. Help us to see you clearly and love you dearly. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
This is Pastor Walton. Have a great, awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. Precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.